Good evening, everybody, and welcome into the fifth episode of the second season of Crunch Time with the Cruck. Uh, another full slate coming at you today. Uh, Corey's going to come back, talk a little bit more about basketball. Tim Hackett's back, talking about NHL. Papa Cruck's back to wrap up the College Softball World Series. And then Brock Guzzi, as usual, as we get into the MLB talk. Uh, the shirt for today, let's go wild. The 2019 Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, playoff shirt fun fact i got the shirt after they were knocked out of the playoffs that's how long shipping and handling took so uh first thing we're going to talk about today breaking news uh, all these facts by the way are accurate as of saturday 10 p.m june 12th Le'Veon bell said he would retire before playing for andy reed again in a social media post now several players have said about how much they like playing for Andy Reid and you know everything as well but you know like Le'Veon Bell is not really one of those players that I personally think of as hey you know his opinion seems pretty valid because you know he was willing to sit out of a you know he was willing to sit out an entire year just because he wouldn't get the money that he thought he earned I mean, he definitely was worth more money than what the Steelers were paying him. But he sat out an entire year in his prime. So, I think that his opinions are a bit skewed for the fact that he thinks a little too highly of himself. But you do have to think highly of yourself in order to be able to play at a high level, such as the NFL. Just looking at it, I mean, uh, ESPN says, By season's end, he wasn't much of a factor for the Chiefs, despite the absence of injured starter Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Ball got the ball just twice in the Chiefs' divisional round win over the Cleveland Browns. And this is an article written by Adam Teacher. He's a ESPN staff writer. And, I mean, it's true. Like, obviously, he's on the backside of his career. Running backs don't have that long of a career unless you're really something special. And, I mean, he was something special, but he sat out, you know. So, he only got the ball twice. Andy Reid... Um, I personally think that, you know, you can't really blame Andy Reid for not giving you the ball. I think, I think when the when it comes down to it, you want to put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hand. And that game against the Browns, he was hurt, and they brought in Henny, you know, Chad Henny, and Henny was doing really good. And even without Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, uh, Kelsey, they can get open. Sammy Watkins, I think he was on the team at that time, too. He, they can get open. So you just have to have a quarterback to get the ball there, and Henny can do that. Uh, the other running backs for the teams, you know, he they're pretty good. Uh, looking at it, Bell did sit out the AFC game because uh, he was inactive against the Bills. And then in the Super Bowl, he dressed, but he did not play against the Buccaneers. And there really wasn't much of a run game to be had against the Buccaneers because everybody knows when you get down in football, you have to start throwing the ball in order to get back. You need big chunks at a time in order to get back in the game, especially against a player like Tom Brady where basically going to the Super Bowl is a once-a-year vacation. So, you know, honestly, I think his career would be a lot different if he wouldn't have sat out against or if he wouldn't have sat out with the Steelers and then gone to the Jets. The Jets was a bad move for him. But 
It's his career, not mine. Uh, more on the NFL talk. Russell Wilson says um, he never requested a trade. He says he wants to stay in Seattle, and he never really, you know, he was never really looking for a trade. People just, you know, people just said he was looking. Uh, he said, and I quote, obviously, I love Seattle. I love playing here. I've had a great career here so far. I've always wanted to play here my whole career. So why were there so many big things about him early on in free agency after the season? You know, before Deshaun Watson had all of these charges come up against him, it was him and Russell Wilson that every single franchise thought they were going to grab. You know, the Bears were like, we can get Russell Wilson. We can get Deshaun Watson. You know, the the Buccaneers, they had Tom Brady. The Chiefs had Patrick Mahomes. At the time, the Packers had Aaron Rodgers. Those were about the only three locks, really. Every other team was looking for players and looking for a quarterback. I mean, or the Bills, Josh Allen, and maybe the Vikings with Kirk Cousins. He could get a better player than Kirk Cousins, but not terrible. Um... But yeah, Russell Wilson said he has no intention of leaving after there was a huge thing about him talking about leaving. So, you know, you tell me what the drill is here, people. And this is going to take our first, we're going to bring in our first person now, uh, Papa Kruk, wrap up the College Softball World Series. Take it away. Hey, Papa Kruk coming to you here from the back porch again on the nice, beautiful swing that my son just bought for us. Uh, doing a wrap-up on the College World Series softball. Uh, fantastic tournament. I hope everyone got to watch it. Uh, one, first time that both teams had to come through the loser's bracket. Oklahoma and Florida State both lost their first opening round games. Oklahoma lost the unseeded James Madison, and Florida State lost to UCLA. Uh, both teams fought back and got into the championship series. Um, championship series best of three. Um, Oklahoma winning the first one. Uh, Florida State coming back winning the second one. And then Oklahoma storming back winning the final game 5-1 to one behind great pitching by G. Juarez, uh, who was named tournament MVP. Or, I'm sorry, tournament most valuable position player. Um, Oklahoma was led by National Player of the Year, Allo. Um, just an absolute powerhouse home run hitter. Fantastic. Florida State fought back, battled the best they could. It was just an unbelievable series. Um, can't wait till next year. Oklahoma is loaded with freshmen and sophomores, the same as Alabama and UCLA. Um, Florida State had quite a few senior, juniors, seniors on a team, but with the COVID rules, they could be back. Who knows? Um, we're in unprecedented times for college athletes right now. Um, some of them getting five years eligibility. Uh, they have transfers. Alabama had a transfer in from um, Florida. Uh, I know Oklahoma had a transfer from Auburn. Uh, their shortstop came from Auburn and, and uh, got to be on a national championship team. Um, and who knows, maybe there's another James Madison lurking in the weeds for next year. Anyway, it was a fantastic tournament, and I'm glad to bring you up to date. And 
Unfortunately, I know my picks were Alabama to win it all, and they fought valiantly and lost to Florida State in the uh, semis. And, of course, my heartthrob, James Madison, um, eventually was, was knocked out by Oklahoma. Um, but, you know, that's why they're the number one team in the country, Oklahoma. Uh, congratulations to the Sooners. And we'll be talking to you next week on another new topic. Who knows, maybe, maybe we'll bring back the old golfers again. All right, back to you, Jake. All right, thank you very much, Papa Cruck. Uh, college softball just wrapped up. Congratulations to all the players who are in it and teams and coaches, and best of luck moving forward next year. Moving forward, we're going to talk about basketball. The Utah Jazz are beating the Clippers 2-1, to and I honestly didn't think that the Clippers were going to win a game in this. I thought it was going to be a four-game sweep. The Jazz with Donovan Mitchell, uh, Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year, couple other great players, you know. And the Clippers, playoff Paul is not really, not really a playoff player. If you call them regular season, Paul George, I mean, yeah, I'd get behind it. I mean, he's good. You know, Kawhi Leonard, he, he cannot carry that team. Uh, he's a great player. He's probably top three players in the league right now, but he, he can't carry the team. I'm sorry. Uh, the Nuggets are losing three games to none. or They're down three games to none against the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns could win one more and just sweep the series. I personally see the Phoenix Suns coming out of that coming out of that side of the bracket. Um you know, I just there was a Stephen A said on Get Up. He said that Donovan Mitchell is the best jazz player of all time. And that's really something to say because Carl Malone and John Stockton have both played for them. Carl Malone the mailman consistent second most points in nba history and then you got john stockton who has the most assists the most steals two records that are almost untouchable and Stephen a's on get up is just going to be like yeah that's the move i personally don't agree with it but Stephen a got to where he is for not having normal opinions uh on the other side of the bracket the 76ers are playing the hawks right now and the 76ers are leading 2-1 in the series. The Hawks took the first game. 76ers came back two games. So, Trey Young, John Collins, going to need a little bit of help there. Need to keep things moving. The 76ers, you know, got a player hurt. Hopefully he can come back in a little bit. But Joel Embiid, as long as you stay healthy, you guys got a good shot of making it to the finals. But the other matchup is going to be the ones... Excuse me, conference finals. But the other matchup is going to be the one that actually makes the finals, in my opinion. The Brooklyn Nets are leading the Bucks two to one. I'm not going to talk much about it because that's what Corey's here for. So Corey, take it away. What do you got for us on that matchup? Hey, Crook. Thanks for having me back on the show. Once again, my name is Corey, and I'm here to talk about the Bucks versus Nets series. So let's get into it. So far, it's been a pretty interesting, pretty exciting series. We had a good game one. The Nets won 115-107. to They won by eight points. Harden got injured early, so no points from him. But Kevin Durant scored 29 points. Kyrie had 25. Joe Harris had 19. Giannis had 34. And Chris Middleton had 13 points. Those were the key players in the series. 
it was a quiet night for, for quiet night from Chris Middleton, but the uh, ended up being a pretty close game. And game two was just an absolute domination by the Nets. They won one twenty five to eighty six. So they won by thirty nine points. Kevin Durant had thirty two points. Kyrie with twenty two. Joe Harris had thirteen. And it was so offensive night for the Bucks. Giannis had 18 points, and Chris Middleton had 17 points. We had we had Giannis get dunked on by Blake Griffin in the game. It was pretty cool to see Prime Blake Griffin show up. We had in Game Three a little bit of scuffle between Kevin Durant and PG Tucker. I think that might have gotten under. Kevin Durant's skin a little bit because he missed the game tying three. The Bucks were able to hold on to the lead. They had they had Drew Holiday hit the game winning layup, and in that game, the Nets had 30 points from Kevin Durant, 22 from Kyrie, Joe Harris had three points, and Giannis and Chris had 33 and 35 respectively. Um, that night was pretty big offensive night for Chris Middleton. He was able to f- get his shot back, get back in the rhythm, get in the flow of things. Chris and Giannis combined for 68 of the 86 points that game. That left 18 points for the rest of the box players to score. Giannis went, he was a little bit, he was off from three. He went one for eight in that game. And he went four for nine for free throws. I think that could be costly eventually in the series because if it gets close, then the Nets can foul Giannis and it wouldn't be a good situation. It could be like the downfall in the when closing out games. We also have Giannis missing quite a bit of threes. He was able to hit a couple in the first game. I think he went two for five, but that might not be good if they have to depend on him to shoot threes. It's been it's been reported that James Harden isn't going to be playing in the game four, so I think the Bucks should try to take advantage of that, especially with Chris Middleton finding his shot. They should probably try to take advantage of Harden being out because if this goes into more games, James Harden might be able to play. Um, for the Nets, I would continue to try and get Joe Harris involved. He had a he didn't score that many points in Game 3. He only had 3 points. But I've noticed that throughout the season, there hasn't been many stats to show, like the big three playing together. They haven't played many games healthy together. But when they do have Joe Harris out in the court, they play better. So the big key I would have for them, as I said in the last podcast, was try to get Joe Harris involved, try to get him on fire shooting threes, and try to get him to score more points. Another thing I do for the Bucks is we had uh, in Game Three we had Middleton have 15 boards, so I continue to have him attack the basket, have him get more rebounds, get second chance points because they might not come often with the Brooklyn Nets defense. I'd also try to get some of the other Bucks teammates involved. They scored the 68 of 86 points in Game Three, Giannis and Chris Middleton. That left only 18 points for the other players' score, so I definitely try to get the other players involved, get them scoring more points. But overall, I'd also try to keep it a low-scoring game because it worked in their advantage. 
The reason I say this worked in their advantage is because Brooklyn shoots around 43% from three, and they usually hit about 14 threes a game. So if they're able to keep it a low-scoring game and keep Brooklyn from hitting as many threes as they usually do, it'd be beneficial to them because then Brooklyn might not be able to get going on offense, and which is a big part of their game. Defense isn't really Brooklyn's strong suit. They're ranked 22 in the league for defense overall. So if the Bucks are able to get good offense possessions and keep it a slow game, then they'll be able to win easier. And for the Nets, a big thing for them would just be to try to get going on offense, try to speed the game up and make it a high-scoring game because they benefit from that. But overall, I think this will definitely be a good series. I think the Nets will win by far. Not by far, but I think they'll win the series overall. I also think that this will definitely be entertaining and it might be more entertaining than the finals given the amount of stars that are playing this game. So I just hope it's a good series and I'll send it back to you, Crook. Thanks, Corey. As always, you know, basketball is running deep. I'll give my prediction right now. So as of Saturday at 1030, June 12th at night, I am going to say that the Suns will play the Brooklyn Nets, both two seeds in the finals and the Brooklyn Nets are going to win it four games to two. So moving forward, we got baseball. Baseball has really been under the microscope as of late. Looking at some things moving forward, there was a clip from uh, tonight's game when the White Sox played. The White Sox were playing the Detroit Tigers, and the Tigers pitcher, Bo Burrows, vomited on the mound you know before his first appearance of the season you know nerves get to everybody but i really did not see this guy you know spitting chunks on the mound that was something really to see Uh, and another thing to see in case you missed it watch garrett cole's interview when he gets asked do you use spider tech And I personally have been in a ton of situations where it's very uncomfortable talking to athletes. Me, myself, personally, I am an athlete, but I'm also a journalist. So, you know, at college, at university, I talk to people all the time. And, you know, I try to almost pull teeth when I'm talking to them because they don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't want to get in trouble. But I'm not asking questions that could get them in trouble. I'm not publishing it to make them lose their scholarship. You know, I'm publishing it almost as a puff piece to make our athletes look good. People who ask MLB and professional athletes, sometimes they're out to make them look like the bad guy. Garrett Cole is a Yankee, was on the Astros when they cheated. Out of anybody to make him look like a bad guy, he's the guy to look like a bad guy. So his way to kind of answer this question was kind of dodgy, but the way he answered the question, he might as well have just said yes. He answered it, and I'm paraphrasing because I couldn't remember the whole interview, but when he was asked, he said, I, uh, mm, uh," (laughs) like, he basically didn't answer the question, tried to answer the question. He, He tried to work his way around the question, right? So the question's here, and he tried to work his way around the question. The only problem was is, It took him so long to get around the question that everybody knew the answer. You know, there are artful ways to get around questions. You know, why weren't you at practice today? Well, I was at the doctor's office. 
Why were you at the doctor's office? You know, I needed a sports physical. You could tell him I broke my ankle. I twisted an elbow, you know, whatever. You can give him a hundred different reasons, or you can give him the real reason. When you ask a star pitcher who is quite possibly going to win the AL Cy Young Award, are you using spider tack to make your pitches easier to hit? And he comes right back at you and can't put two words together? You know the answer. All right, so since we're on MLB, Brock, take it away. Run us through this whole spider tack situation. What is it and what do we need to know about it? How's it going, everybody? Uh, back again to talk a little baseball. Um, kind of be, be a little continuation on from last week. Uh, we talked a little bit foreign substance and how it's uh, how prevalent it is in the game today. I mean, it's always been prevalent, uh, but the last, I would say, three to five years, and especially the last year, it's become a lot more noticeable to the not just the players in the game, but the fans and people watching on TV, you know. There's a lot of guys who aren't even trying to hide that they're going to their glove to grab some sticky stuff, uh, you know. So that's kind of where the problem stands. And, of course, you know, the competitive advantage that certain certain sticky stuff can give you, really. Um, you know, like last week we talked about pine tar and rosin, and that's kind of universally accepted as pitchers and hitters, managers. Um, you know, sunscreen, you can't tell a guy to not put on sunscreen. Uh Rosin is available for everyone on the back of the mound, you know, a little white powdery bag. So, you know, and it's when the two are mixed together where it's real sicky, you know, the, you see guys like John Lackey who, you know, has a lot of sweating on his arms. You can see him. He's got the big uh, rosin bag and he's throwing it all over. And you, I remember playoff games when he was with the Cardinals, and even when he pitched for the Cubs, he would wipe his hands all over his body. And I kind of wondered what it, why he would do that. And, of course, I knew it was for sweat, but... You know, the rosin, too. I, I never really knew rosin and pine tar um, or rosin and uh, sunscreen are real too, really sticky. And speaking of pine tar, that's another one that um, that's a little bit that's the one that uh, isn't as accepted. Maybe maybe a little bit more than some of the other stuff that's being used. But, uh, you know, Michael Pineda from the Yankees, he had he's really famous for having that big pine tar right here. You know, that's when it becomes an issue is when. You can really see it on a guy, and it's so obvious, and he's got it, you know, boop on it all, all over on his hand. So, you know, though that that's kind of the the two substances that I would say are almost accepted. You know, guys are would rather you hitters would rather you not use it, but um, they're under the understanding that they will face pitchers that will use that stuff. But you know, uh, the real problem is the stuff that uh, guys have been accused of using lately, and that's stuff like. Uh, spider tech and stuff like bullfrog and even uh you know substances we might not even know about because trevor bauer was talking on twitter a few years i talked about this last week too he was talking on twitter a few years ago about uh you know he noticed that one of his former college teammates who he know was kind of one of his rivals not even kind of was is a big rival today and wasn't high in college they didn't like each other garrett cole um you know he was uh for the pittsburgh pirates played for the pirates pitched for them was kind of expected to take on the ace role. Uh, after, you know, three, four years, he didn't really take that next step. Got traded to the Astros, and all of a sudden, like a lot of Astros pitchers in that time, all, got a lot of uh, RPMs, revolutions per minute, to their fastballs and their uh, to all their pitches. And Garrett Cole kind of took, or not Garrett Cole, but Trevor Bauer kind of took notice to that and went off about it on Twitter and was saying, you know, uh, 
it'd be a shame, you know, if these guys were to be using this and they obviously will get better numbers and they'll achieve more awards and they'll get more money for those awards. And, you know, it's kind of that big chain process, you know, and that, that eventually came to be true. Garrett Cole went from the won a World Series, got paid for that, obviously, and then got paid with the Yankees. So, I mean, what he was talking about a few years ago pretty much came to came to fruition. But, um, you know, that's what Garrett Cole or Trevor Bauer was kind of trying to get at at Twitter, you know, is these guys are changing their careers using this type of stuff like spider tech and uh, bullfrog. And even Trevor Bauer said that on Twitter that when he was 12 years old, he was taught by the Astros pitching coach, uh, who's not there anymore, but was taught uh, the bull or the spider tech, you know, that that stuff's real sticky. You throw that stuff on the inside of your glove, on your belt, you know, tip of your cap really even on very you can throw real deep in your inside of the glove and no one's really going to see it so you know that's really where the issue stands today and there's a lot of guys doing it a lot of top tier pitchers in the game doing it and uh there's been some more guys caught and i think it'd be kind of not fun but informative to go over some of the more guys who are uh you know uh sticking up their hand all right all the credit goes to my guy hey commie for the video on tiktok but uh you can see the, uh, the shine of his glove there. I mean, that looks like it could be pine tar. Maybe it's that spider tech. But, uh, I mean, who knows, really? But, obviously, that's what he's going to. That's his uh, go-to spot to get some grip. Uh, he's a he's a bullpen pitcher for the Pirates. But, uh, you know, you can kind of see him go to it there. Here you go again. Yep, same spot. You can kind of see him tap quick taps. And here's another another one of the same team, Sam Howard. You can kind of see he even gets, you know, both fingers, it looks like. You know, kind of one, two. Yep, you, just, you can even see the stick. He's not even hiding it. You know, throwing nasty cutters, sliders, all sorts of stuff. But, I mean, he's just oblivious. He might even have stuff on that hat right there. Then right back to the glove. And, you know, right back to the hat pitch, right on the black. Thank you, Guzzi. Great as always. I love having you on the show. A baseball mind talking about baseball. It's a beautiful thing. You know, I could never do it because I wasn't a big baseball player. You know, I'm a baseball guy, but I'm not a big baseball player. So I love having the player point of view in the show. Um, I was reading the Rockford Register Star earlier today uh the sports section was talking about players suspected of using the spider tack what their four seam fastball or just their fastball and then their curveball spin rates and then showing their eras comparative to last year and this year and you know looking at the newspaper right now the brewers pitcher brandon woodruff earned run average has dropped from 3.05 last season to 1.42 this season less than half of his era last season and that's incredible looking at the top two players with spin rate on their four seam fastball trevor bauer is number one he's a hundred percent tile and you know his spin rates from 2018 to 2021 his spin rate in 2018 was 2,322. His spin rate in 2021 is 2,822. So he jumped 
500 spins from his hand to the plate. I don't know if you can really say that training has really bounced that much. You Darvis is 99 percentile on the four seam spin rate, and his has jumped approximately 30. So yeah, he's always had a fast spin because he's spinning the ball at 2500. You know, two five six one. It's still a lot less than Trevor Bauer, and Trevor Bauer is just a freak with the fastball. But I mean. That's a lot. Uh, Jacob DeGrom come back from injury, and they're suspecting him of using the spider tack as well. There's a lot of players on here. I'm just going to list their names. not going to go through all of them. Uh, Kevin Gossman, Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom, Brandon Woodruff, Trevor Bauer, Lance Lynn with the White Sox, Freddie Peralta also with the Brewers, Garrett Cole, Eu Darvish, and Corbin Burns. So three... Brewers pitchers have all been accused of it. Being a Brewer fan, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I mean, the Astros stole signs. They won a World Series. Did the World Series get taken away from them? No. As long as we get caught after we get the trophy, that's all I care about. That is very unsportsmanlike of me. But... Winning is winning. At the end of the day, if you can win, you can win. That's how it is. Moving forward, we've got Hockey Talk with Tim Hackett. Tim, take it away. What do you got for us this week? And then there were four. Hey, Crockett, it's Tim Hackett in Kansas City. Thanks so much for having me on. We have finally reached the final four of the Stanley Cup playoffs here in 2021. And I think the only thing that you can predict in the NHL postseason is that it's going to be unpredictable. And how about this? The final four teams left standing, no number one seeds, no team that finished first in its division in the regular season, which in and of itself is an unprecedented thing this year, right? But no team that finished first in its division is still alive as we hit the final four. We've got a number two seed, a number three seed, and two number four seeds still left standing. And I think that's where you got to start with one of those number four seeds. The Montreal Canadiens continue to be the story of the postseason, at least for me. They have now won seven games in a row after they beat the Winnipeg Jets in four a sweep of Winnipeg after the Jets swept the Oilers in the first round. And going a step further, Montreal never trailed in their series against Winnipeg. They were ahead or tied the whole way. Winnipeg just seemed to step behind, and Montreal is on another level right now. Carey Price has turned back the clock, as it were. He's playing like he did like 10 years ago or whatever. He's been fantastic. The defense in front of him has been good, even though they really are only running four defensemen, and one of those four defensemen right now, Jeff Petrie, is hurt. He'll be available at some point point in this next series you would think but that's crazy that they're really only running four guys but they are running all four lines and all four lines have contributed that helped Montreal get through Winnipeg in four games but I think everybody knew that whoever would get out of that Canadian division I don't think anybody expected Montreal would be the team to get out of that division but whoever did get out of that division was going to face a much tougher task in the third round and Montreal certainly has a tougher task ahead of them here in the third round. They will play the Vegas Golden Knights after they beat the Colorado Avalanche in the second round in six games. The Avalanche won the President's Trophy in the regular season. That goes to the team with the most points, the best record. So the so-called curse of the President's Trophy is alive and well. No team that has won the President's Trophy in the regular season has even gotten out of the second round in the last half dozen years. And you got to go back a long time, a lot further than that to find even the last President's Trophy winning 
winning team that was in the Stanley Cup Finals. So Colorado was done after the second round. After they dominated Vegas in Game 1, 7-1, to Vegas goes back to Marc-Andre Fleury in goal for Game 2 after they gave him a rest in Game 1 because he played the whole way in a seven-game series against Minnesota in the first round. So they put Robin Leonard, who was excellent in the regular season, and Leonard and the defense give up seven goals to a hot offense in Colorado. Flurry gets back behind the in the crease for game two, and the defense in front of him plays extremely well the rest of the way. Vegas was the better team the final five games of that series, and they win it in six. The defense for Vegas has just been excellent, and what's ba- what's not baffling but just so impressive to me is how reliant Vegas is on its defense in all facets of the game, especially for offense. There was a time in Game 6 where they barely had any shots on goal from their forwards. Almost all of their shots on goal came from defensemen. That is very unusual. Alex Petrangelo has been excellent. Off-season pickup from St. Louis, he's been great. Getting Brady McNabb back in the lineup ahead of Nick Haig has been a big bolster for Peter DeBoer and company. And, of course, Marc-Andre Fleury is playing as well as he ever has. So Fleury against Carey Price, an old Eastern Conference showdown here in the third round for Vegas against Montreal. The first time, obviously, that those two teams will play in the playoffs. Vegas joined the league in the, in 2018. That series kicks off on Monday. The other number four team that's still left on uh, that's still left standing here in the final four, the New York Islanders. They beat the three seed Boston Bruins in six games. You know I had to talk about this series, right? Because the the first four games of this series was super competitive. Ilya Sorokin started game one for the Islanders. They go to Semyon Varlamov in game two after he didn't really play all that well against Pittsburgh. And they win four out of the five games in which Varlamov starts, primarily because the Islanders were just so much better than the Bruins in the final two games of that series. As a fan, you want your team to play well. Even if they're going to lose the game, you want them to play well. And and frankly, that is not what the Bruins did, especially in game six. Their effort was severely lacking in a lot of ways. The Islanders' depth, their four-line play has been excellent. Their defense was so much better than Boston's was, and their goaltending in the final two games was loads better, and that's why the Islanders won the series. I thought Boston was excellent, so good, about the best I've seen them this year. In the first ten minutes of game five, they still lose that game, and then they come out in game six, and the Islanders are by far the better team. They send the Bruins home. The Islanders will face the Tampa Bay Lightning in the third round for the second straight season. Tampa Bay beat them in six last year en route to winning the Stanley Cup, and the Lightning are back after they beat the number one seed Carolina Hurricanes in five games in the second round this year. But, uh, frankly, I think that's a little bit misleading. All five of those games really were close. Carolina deserved to win at least one more. So you look at it, you see a 4-1 to scoreline, you think that's a size of, or a, you know, a significant win for Tampa Bay. But, frankly, Carolina deserved a little bit more than that. But what is so good about Tampa Bay, I mean, what's not good about them right now? Their offense is lethal. Their power play is fantastic with Nikita Kucherov and company. Andre Vasilevsky is playing extremely well. He's now picked up a shutout in a series-clinching game, three straight series. Doesn't have any playoff shutouts other than that except for series-clinching games in his last three series-clinching games, which is crazy. And the defense around Vasilevsky has been great, anchored by Norris Trophy finalist Victor Hedman. So the betting lines are going to favor Vegas against Tampa Bay in the Stanley Cup Finals this year. Tampa Bay against New York kicks off on Sunday afternoon, but I think if we've come to learn anything in this postseason this year, do you have to expect the unexpected? Thanks, Tim. Uh, speaking of NHL, I'm going to take a shot on this guy's last name. So the Hurricanes goalie Vasilevsky. I'm going to take a shot on it. Uh, there was a sign uh, one of the fans was holding up at the game, and it says Vasilevsky. I've seen coupons that save more than you do. Apparently. They are not happy with his goalkeeping. 
so far in this series. But, you know, Tim, thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, love having you. Love having you on. Uh, hopefully you'll keep returning as long as the playoffs are going uh, and make things really interesting. So we're going to wrap it up with a little bit of Aaron Rodgers' Tom Brady talk. So Aaron Rodgers still hasn't found a home yet. He hasn't showed up to the mandatory Packers training camp. And Jordan Love's been getting a lot of look and a lot of love by the Packers front office. Is he going to come back to the Packers? At this point, if you're a Packers fan, you want him to come back because you know he's an MVP quarterback. The only way that he'll be successful if they come back is if they go 21-0 and don't lose a game. The moment they lose their first game, he is a locker room cancer. He already is one. But as long as tensions aren't huge, you know, he's riding high, he's having fun, all that, you're good. The moment you lose the first game, he's pointing fingers. You know, hey, coach's fault, the floor, too young, unskilled, whatever. Front office's fault, they didn't give me enough money, I can't be out there, you know, I can't get the proper recovery, whatever. My old line's trash. You know, why do we spend so much time drafting them and not my wide receivers? Oh, yeah, I have no wide receivers, you know excuses coming out of him like volcano like lava in a volcano going everywhere you can't stop it tom brady uh bruce arians has been talking and he's like we're not gonna have brady really take snaps and get in the way of defensive linemen until we get closer to season because he's played enough seasons you know he knows how to get ready he knows what his body needs we're not gonna force him to do anything he doesn't want to do so we're going to have him more of a coaching role. We're still going to have him do practice, you know, one-on-ones, you know, get the wide receiver down, be able to pick up routes, help wide receivers think how you think. But when it comes to game time, we're not going to have you, or scrimmage time, we're not going to have you in the scrimmage because we don't want you to have the chance to get hurt, you know, coming off of a leg injury or a surgery i think he had the surgery or him or another quarterback but it's you know, it's really up in the air kind of you know two quarterback two great quarterbacks both taking time off you'd love to see it another quarterback who um is finally finally on a little vacation honeymoon on i follow patrick mahomes on instagram and seems like he's somewhere vacationing uh hopefully he's having fun i know he did I think he had his turf toe surgery worked on something. Um, I know turf toe hurts. I've definitely, definitely been there. It hurts. Um, but you got to roll with it. Um, I think that the Super Bowl loss for Patrick Mahomes is going to fuel him very much moving forward. And that main, I don't know if it's ready to be called a revenge tour yet, but that's definitely going to be a rocket sled on wheels right there um so this has been crunch time with crack don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching on youtube if you're watching or if you're listening on podcasts whether it be apple Podcasts, spotify etc whatever you're listening on feel free to leave a rating um you know leave a little comment subscribe to it most definitely because who doesn't love listening to me talk about sports and we have no commercials that's another positive too so until next time Jacob Krugenberg, I hope you all have a great day.